All right, go ahead, Valerie. Give us an intro and we'll sing all three verses of Jesus Loves Even Me. Father, thank you that you love us in spite of ourselves. And thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can enjoy your love today as we gather together in the Sunday School Hour. I ask that you would bless our time together around your word and in our classes that we would learn more about Jesus our Savior and learn more about how to answer those around us about the faith in him that you have given us. Father God, I pray these things in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. All right, so as we continue in our, uh, I don't know what to call it, study based on this book, Quick Answers to Social Issues. Uh, this is our continuation of the lesson we started last week on Chapter 4 of the Environmental Issues section, uh, which is titled, Are Aliens the Answer? Um, and, and we kind of talked about why he titled it that way. And it's basically because many people in the secular community believe they are the answer, uh, that they will basically solve our, uh, all of our problems and provide eventually utopia. They're kind of a God replacement. So we got into that. But let's, um, so let's, we're going to, Review what we covered last week fairly quickly. I do. There's a couple things as I reviewed it myself that I that the Lord brought to my attention that I missed the first time along, and so we'll touch on those too. We will just I'll just fill in the blanks of the earlier parts. Uh, number uh, Roman numeral one, 
secular, and then in parens, and much of religious society of our day believes intelligent aliens exist. I read an article that shows kind of the percentages and so forth. It does seem to be men more than women in general. But the majority, actually, of Americans believe some kind of intelligent life exists. Uh, Letter A, this belief is greatly due to the dogmatic assertion of many scientists that aliens must exist. Uh, Aliens must exist. And the reason for that, one reason for this assertion is due to the complexity of life. Uh, They actually realize that even though they believe the universe is billions of years old, they don't think that's enough time for the complexity of life as we know it to have developed. So they say, well... uh, There must be aliens, and we'll get into that here. Um, And again, letter A there, many evolutionists argue that a few billion years isn't enough time for life to have evolved. Letter B, the thinking is that life started evolving somewhere else in the older universe. The Milky Way is supposedly one of the newer parts of the universe, so we have older galaxies out there. And that that life was later seeded, your blank in quotes here is seeded, S-E-E-D-E-D, seeded on earth by aliens, and maybe aliens even created life. We read, uh, I read a quote from um, Richard Dawkins, who was an atheist, evolutionist. He's basically an atheist evangelist, I guess they call it, which is an oxymoron, but anyway. Um, And that's what he said. He said, maybe this is the way it happened. Um, And then, but we said, uh, such thinking, number one under that, such thinking demonstrates mankind's suppression of the truth. And we looked at that in Romans chapter 1. We'll get to Romans 1 again sometime, but we won't touch on that today. We'll just, by way of review here. Letter B, under that, the faulty reasoning is, if life randomly, accidentally happened on earth, surely in this vast universe it happened somewhere else. I did share my, my personal testimony before I was saved when I was in my teens and early 20s. That's what I believed. It seemed to make sense to me. So many stars and galaxies, there, it had to have happened somewhere else. Uh, so, the letter C, aliens are a, quote, God replacement, unquote, that have great appeal. And again, like we said, the, the, the title of this lesson is Are Aliens the Answers? They Think They Are. Uh, they, many will think they, they provide all the divine med- benefits without accountability and judgment. Our God has many blessings in store for us, but he also has some requirements, as you will, some, some, some regulations, some guidance, and people don't necessarily want to be accountable to that. So aliens provide that very convenient replacement of God. Okay, Roman numeral two. The idea, however, on the, on the flip side, even though secular society believes intelligent uh, aliens exist, on the flip side of that, the idea of aliens does not fit with the Bible and the gospel, which teach the following things. So letter A, one of the things it teaches is that the earth is uniquely created by God to be inhabited. We did read that, but let's go back to that, if you would. Isaiah chapter 45 Verse 18, okay, I'm going to get back to mine. I have 18 on your notes, but you might want to jot down verse 22 as well. I I pointed this out last week. So let's look at that. I'm just going to read, okay, uh, Isaiah 45, verse 18 says, 
For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. And he goes, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Um, then skip down to, let's see. Well, I guess we've got to go to verse 21. It says, uh, tell and bring forth your case. Yeah, um, yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Verse 22, look to me, this God and Savior, the just God, look to me and be saved all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. Um, I just, again, when I read this over in review, note there that there is no other entity in the universe that's mentioned to be intended to be inhabited. It just says, who formed the earth and made it. Who formed it, the earth, to be inhabited. He, and then, of course, I thought, well, it's as simple as going back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It didn't say in the earth and earth number two and earth number three and earth number four. It's just the heavens and the earth. It's just, that is the focus. It's really that simple. We can lose track of that sometimes, but the scripture is that simple. He formed the earth and made it. He formed it to be inhabited. He didn't, it doesn't say that he formed anything else to be inhabited. You might ask, well, does that mean he didn't? D just because he didn't mention it, does that mean he didn't? Well, uh, you could maybe make that argument, but we'll get into some other things that, that really show stronger reasons why this doesn't make sense, or this, this doesn't add up scripturally. Okay, so let her be then. Throughout creation week, God made various living things, and described how are they to live on the earth. And we read that whole passage, Genesis 1, the creation account. Um, we read it together, actually. Um, in uh, day one, he did, uh, divided the light from the darkness. Uh, in, in day two, he divided the waters which are under the firmament from that above it. Day three, he brought forth grass and herbs, uh, yielding uh, seeds according to their kind. And then, then he made, verse 14, there in Genesis 1, you can turn there if you wish. I'm just kind of skimming over this. Uh, verse 4, again, God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. And then verse 16 says, Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of heavens. And what's the purpose? Why did he set them in the heavens? to give light on the earth. That's their purpose. So that's the blank, the, uh, um, your next bullet there. Number two, God made the sun, moon, and stars to provide service to the earth. The reason he did that, of course, verse 14, to be lights uh, for signs, for seasons, for days, for years, and to give light on the earth. They are to service the earth which kind of helps you see the focus, again, of Scripture, is God did this for the good of the earth. The earth maybe isn't the 
And matter of fact, as far as we know, as far as it is not the center of the physical universe, but is the center of God's created energy. Let me put it that way. Okay, um, so that's where we ended last week. So next we say, letter C. So, okay, again, the idea of aliens doesn't fit. The earth is uniquely created by God to be inhabited. Throughout creation week, God said, you know, these, these are how things are to live on the earth, so forth. And let her see the possibility of intelligent, that's your blank there, intelligent alien life is more problematic. Um, so let her one under that. The entire universe was corrupted by sin. And the resulting curse. Turn, if you would, now to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to kind of do this backwards a little bit. We're going to look at verse 22 first, and then go back to 21. But, um, yeah, I have Romans 8.22 there. And again, we've read a lot of Romans chapter 8 through this study as well. 8.22 says, For we know that the whole creation, that it would include all the galaxies out there as well, somehow or another, whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So the entire universe was corrupted by sin. So letter A under that says, Jesus came to redeem eventually the whole creation back to himself. So look at Romans 8.21. Well, let's, I'm going to go back to verse 18, okay? Romans 8.18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's a wonderful consideration, isn't it? That's an encouraging passage. If you're going, we all go through difficult times. Some worse than others, some have better days than others, worse days than others, better weeks, better, worse weeks, better months, worse months. But we all go through struggles. But look at this. I mean, for consider the sufferings of this present time, not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Heaven truly is beyond our comprehension in a good way, in a good way. Okay, verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. In other words, it's waiting for the time that we as, as the children of God will be redeemed, will, will, will be freed from this sinful condition and so forth. The creation waits for that too. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him, that is God, who subjected it in hope. He subjected the creation to this futility, but there is hope. Then verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So, When Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins, when he rose from the grave and sat at the right hand of the the Father, he did that to prepare the way for the whole creation to be delivered from the bondage of corruption that we presently are under. And another passage that's um, 
that makes this clear, I put there for you Colossians 1.20. Go to that if you would. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. This will not help you guys. But every time I do this, I, I remember somebody taught me a little thing to remember that the... Um, when we were in Baltimore, there's a Baltimore Gas and Electric Power Company. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Gas and Electric Power Company. <laughs> Just if you... Is there? Okay, Giants East. Well, I'm locked into the gas and electric one, so you can... Okay, so Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Um, this is speaking of Jesus. Of course, well, okay, verse 17. We'll start at verse 17 to get the context. He, and he, this is Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ, all the fullness should dwell. And by him, Jesus, still talking about Jesus, uh, to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and then making it personal, and you, who, were, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, yet now has he, he has reconciled. So again, your letter A there, Jesus came to redeem and eventually, uh, to eventually the whole creation back to himself, whether things on earth or things on, in heaven, all things to himself. Any, we're gonna, we have some, a couple more important points here, but any questions or comments at all based on what we just covered there? This almost point, okay, Pastor, just a sec. This almost makes it sound like, well, okay, then he must care about elsewhere out in the creation as well. Maybe there's people out there too, but we'll, we'll touch on that next. But, yep, there's a parallel, there's a, the point that we as individuals become new creatures in Christ. The old has passed away, the all has become new. But then also, again, in Revelation, there's going to be a day when there will be a new heavens and a new earth, a new creation, which we need, and that's coming. Yeah? If there is something else out there, it's none of our business. Yeah, if there is something else out there, it's none of our business. And, and that's... So not worry about it. I would, I would think think at the very, very least, and I think it's much stronger than that, but at the very least, the silence of Scripture about such issues should clue us into the fact that it's, it's not something God wants us to care about. It's, we're once alienated, yes, and you who are once alienated in your mind, that's true. We have been aliens to God. Yeah, that's right. So there are a bunch of aliens, but we're all earthly aliens. That's the difference. Well, there certainly are angels in the heavenlies, and there is a warfare going on in the heavenlies between the good angels and the, and the evil. Uh, and that's, yeah, let's just kind of keep in mind a little what Loretta just said there, considering that there are, there are definitely, a, there's a spiritual dimension. 
And there is, even in a physical sense, a different dimension that we don't normally see. So we'll consider that as we look into this a little bit more. Um, not necessarily today, but maybe in... Okay, let's... Um, okay, so we covered that. All right, let's look at number two under C there. Pos- possibility of intelligent alien life is more problematic. Number two, Jesus, the last Adam, came to redeem descendants of the first Adam, not aliens. Okay, so aliens would not be redeemable. Okay, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, where, I, how did I write this in here? Yeah, okay, I have bracketed uh, verses 20 to 24 and then 42 to 45. Um, let's see a little bit about this first Adam and last Adam. And uh, verse 20 uh, to 24 says this in verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead, amen? And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to, the Father, to God the Father, when he puts to an end all rule and all authority and power. So it's making the point here that by, by man came death, by man also comes the resurrection of the dead. I have another passage later on, but that's important. Well, let's, I'll, I'll make the point right here, and we'll make it again. Um, again, verse 21, For since by man came death, by man also comes the resurrection of the dead, of the dead. for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So Jesus had to be a man to die to take the penalty of sin that the first man, Adam, did, performed. So then let's look on, let's go down to verse 42 then. I said 42 to 45. I am going to read through 47 actually. Starting in verse 42, 1 Corinthians 15, so also is the resurrection from the dead. The body is sown in corruption. Uh, it is raised in incorruption. When, when, when we are raised, when, when this life is over and our, our spiritual bodies are right, we are raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. goes on to explain a little bit more. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. This is talking about Adam, the very first one made. The second man is the Lord from heaven. It's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the second Adam. He's the second man. He is the Lord from heaven. So can you see how? Well, I'm just going to ask the question, then we'll go to the last bullet. Can Can you see a problem developing if we try and fit aliens into this picture? Are aliens humans? 
No. Now, the evolutionists, the secular world, might consider them to be better than humans, more developed, whatever, but they're, they're, if they were seated on some other planet, then they're out of the picture of the scriptures and of humanity as we know it. So, okay, with that in mind, look at your last bullet there. Christ died once for all of humanity and only for humanity. Those are your two blanks, only for humanity. And please, I'm going to get to this in a second, but jot down on your list here. I have uh, 1 Peter 3.18 and Hebrews 9, 27 and 28 and Hebrews 9, 10, or Hebrews 10.10. 10. But please write down also Romans 5, um, 12 to 19. And we're going we're gonna, to, I think that's the best passage to kind of touch on this point. But let, we'll go ahead and um, the author of the book had put these other passages in, so they're, they're worth talking about. Hebrews chapter 9, um, well, I'm sorry, let's, let's go back, since I have 1 Peter listed, go to 1 Peter 3, we're going to look at verse 18, we'll see what else we'll look at here. Yeah, okay, so that verse right there, 1 Peter 3, verse 18, says, For Christ also suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So again, let's think about this. The just for the unjust. The unjust what? The unjust aliens? No, unjust human beings. So it says in the latter part of that verse that Christ was put to death in the flesh. What kind of flesh did he have? Alien flesh? Or human flesh? He was a man, right? The scripture teaches he was a human. We can't wrap our brains around it, but he was human. He was a man, a perfect man, while at the same time he was God. So he's a human body. So, so keep that in mind. Uh, um, turn towards the front of your Bible that, uh, um, to, to Hebrews. You're pretty close if you're in First Peter. Turn to Hebrews. We'll look at those passages and then go to, go to Romans. Hebrews chapter 9. Um, Hebrews is a very, very um, theological book. <laughs> I guess all of Scripture is. But Hebrews really, really digs in. It, it talks about the Old Testament Traditions and so forth, and the and the things, and compares that with the new, and that's what's going on here in verse uh, in in Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty four. Uh, he says, "For for Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true." Uh, again, there before Christ, the priest previously did go to the holy place that was made with hands, that was built according to God's commands in the Old Testament and so forth, but Christ hasn't entered those holy places, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Again, the, the, the Old Testament priests used to go into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, for the people, but Jesus has done that in the heavenly sense. Not Verse 25, not that he should offer himself 
Often, as the priests entered the holy place, most holy place every year with the blood of another, he then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. In verse 27, you've maybe used this verse uh, in sharing the gospel before, and as it is appointed unto men once to die... But after this, the judgment, that does away with reincarnation, by the way. Um, Verse 28, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. He is going to come again. He's promised he will. And we look look forward to that day. But again, he he, uh, is a... Is it's appointed to men once to die, but after this the judgment, Christ is offered, was offered once to bear the sins of many. And turn, turn just to verse, uh, let's see, ten, ten. Yeah, ten. So you're in Hebrews nine. Just go to Hebrews ten, and verse ten. I think, and that's what I have in your in your notes. But I'm going to read through, through twelve. Verse 10 says, by that will, and that's representing, referencing the will of God, by the will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. In comparison, and every, high pri- every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sac- sacrifices which can never take away sins, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, Set down at the right hand of God. Uh, those of you who read the days of praise, just yesterday the devotional was on, it was in Hebrews 10 there, and uh, it made some interesting points that I had not considered before. It says, every, verse 11, every priest stands, stands ministering daily. And he pointed out that there's not a chair there in that whole tabernacle. There's no chair. There's this table, that table, the, the ark, the, but no chair. So he stands all this time. But notice what Jesus did, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. There's another point that it's like, it's finished. The, the Old Testament priests, their work was never finished. They had to stand and keep doing it. It was never finished, but Christ finished it. He sat down. But again, he did all that for mankind. He had flesh human flesh, and he died for humanity. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 5. I asked you to add that to your list. Um, This summarizes it, I think, beautifully. Um, Romans chapter 5. And I said uh, verse 12 through 19, but really... It's kind of 12 and then 18 and 19. You can read all the in-between verses too, but uh, in the King James and the New King James, verse 13 to 17 is parenthetical. It's bracketed sort of. And so we're going to skip over, not that it's not important, it is, but we're going to skip over the parentheses and just read verse 12 and then verse 18 and 19. Okay, um, therefore, verse 12 of Romans chapter 5. Did I 
Did I say that right? Yeah, Romans 5. For some reason, I had Romans 8 in my mind. Okay. Therefore, just as through, and I'm emphasizing here, one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. And go down to verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came unto all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. Okay? For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So, again, this exclude The way I see it, I think, as you look at the language, as you look at the words, we're talking about humanity. One man, a human being sinned, and another human being, in his righteous act, gave life, a free gift to all men. It was one human who disobeyed, and then there was another human who was perfectly obedient. And by him, we could be made righteous. It's, again, Jesus Christ died for humanity. So, if this is basically out of the book um, that we're going here, is that if aliens, intelligent aliens existed, they would be cursed because the whole creation is under a curse, yet unredeemable. Do any of you know, I've heard of a Vulcan, I get that from Star Trek, but he says, how can a Wookiee, do you know what a Wookiee, is that from another movie? Star Wars. Star Wars, okay. So he says, how can a Wookiee or a Vulcan be saved? They are not blood relatives of Jesus. So his blood doesn't pay their sin debt. Of course, you get it. I mean, this can get, you could go into this forever. It's like, well, whoever says an alien sin, you know, it's like, well. <laughs> the, the point is the whole creation is cursed. But, uh, and, and you could, uh, so again, as we mentioned, aliens are a God replacement. Uh, you get the divine benefits without accountability and judgment. However, God is irreplaceable. And biblical reality is true reality. So, and, the, and what it teaches is that the earth, earth is unique and the spiritual focal point of creation. Um, this is where God visited, became our blood relative, and died on the cross. And uh, provided, he defe- defeated death to make a way of salvation for his unique image bearers alone. That's the other point, too. He created man in his image where we've mentioned that before. We are his, the crown jewel of his creation. And I'm sorry, I really talked through that a lot more than I usually do. There would have been a reference. Yeah, and that's kind of what we mentioned a little bit earlier, I think based, rolling off of what Kathy had said somewhere along the line, that, you know, it's like, yeah, there, there seems to be nothing. Yes, there's talk about a spiritual dimension, spiritual warfare going on in the heavenlies and influencing what goes on earth, no doubt. So there is, a, there is something we don't see with the eyes, right. for sure, but there, there, do, there is not any specific reference anywhere else. So, so you would assume, again, at the very least, 
the silence on that topic would lead us to say, well, yep, there's, there's always going to be a way for them to try and bring up something. And we may get into that more as we go forward. Yeah, that's right. We, we, we do need to focus on, that's our whole purpose here, is to focus on what does this scripture say? We're trying to get answers to these social issues and difficult issues out of the Bible. And um, I'm not exactly, well, we'll see. We might have something special for you starting next week. We're not, we're not sure, have yet to be decided, but um, we, we might touch on this a little bit more. Right. We, you know, I, I'm, <clears throat> I think what Sean is, the, the, point, the point I'm getting from this is that we need to realize when we want to talk with other people about these things, that, that we ourselves could easily get duped into believing some of these things, or at least part of this, or this section, or, or something, because some of the evidences seem so real, how can you deny it type of thing? And that's what I hope maybe we'll cover as we continue a little bit. But we need to keep that in mind because we do have the Spirit to help us, to teach us in the, Holy, in the, in the Scriptures to stay on the true path that God's given us and, and taught us. So that's why we're here, right? To learn some of that. Appreciate the author of the book, because he's the one who wrote that, but thank you. <laughs> yep. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you again for, for the truth of your word. We do thank you that we are blood relatives of the Lord Jesus, and it was his shed blood that made it possible for our sins to be done away with. We thank you for that. We pray that you would bless the service to come, Father, uh, that we would honor you with our worship. Help us to uh, give attention uh, in all that we do as we hear your word, as we sing, as we give. Might it all be pleasing to you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.